0: What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got to discuss that Corbin Carroll walk-off, discuss what can hold the D-backs back this season, and previewing the next series against the Atlanta Braves, all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code be for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm the my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at thomas 24 for my personal account, or look up Locked on dimebacksable on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Lock on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But let's get into today's podcast and let's discuss the D-backs series finale against the Colorado Rockies because the D-backs were able to do something that they haven't been able to do All season long, I thought they were going to do it uh, pretty recently. What series was it recently where I thought the D-backs were going to complete the sweep? Because against the Colorado Rockies, the D-backs were able to get their first series sweep of the season. Really impressive job by the D-backs because it was their 17th comeback victory of the season. I think against the Philadelphia Phillies, that was the last time the D-backs had a chance to sweep and did it. And (laughs) funny enough, I think the D-backs got... Walked off in that game or it was a crazy comeback for the Philadelphia Phillies, right? Trey Turner hit a go-ahead bomb late in that game. Well, for this game in the series finale against the Colorado Rockies, it was the D-backs with a walk-off and a fantastic, exciting, and tantalizing win because Corbin Carroll, the man who should be favorite for Rookie of the Year, he came through in the clutch with two on... In two outs in the ninth inning, Corbin Carroll laced one to left center, and that gave the D-backs the victory, and it was a really impressive hit because this thing was like a foot off the plate. This man had to reach. We know he's don't. We know Corbin Carroll doesn't have the longest arms. Baseball reference has Corbin Carroll listed at 5'10". There is no way Corbin Carroll is only an inch shorter than me. I see him at the plate. He looks like a little munchkin out there sh- shaking his tush. Love Corbin Carroll. Clutch hit by him. Corbin Carroll... Now on the season, after his heroic performance, batting 287, 372 OBP, and a 516 slugging, and he should be back in the NL Rookie of the Year list. He's got nine home runs, he's got almost 20 stolen bases, and the man who he was going against, you know, the, the last time we did a little check-in on FanDuel for... NL Rookie of the Year favorites, Corbin Carroll was second, number one was James Outman of the LA Dodgers, actually, who is now batting below 240, below 800 OPS. So Corbin Carroll's clearly right now the favorite for the NL Rookie of the Year. But how were the Ables able to win today? How were they able to pull off this comeback? Because the D-backs were down for nothing after six innings. this was a true comeback. Zach Davies was pitching in the game. I thought Zach Davies was pretty solid for the most part. he ran into trouble in the sixth inning. he gave up a run in the second inning, but for the most part I thought it was a quality Zach Davies start. Um, he gave up seven hits. He only walked one. He gave up three earned runs. But I thought Davies was pretty solid. I thought he made some really nice pitches today on the plate, on the, you know, when you're just sneaking it into the strike zone. I thought Zach Davies was strong overall. I don't mind the kind of performance he had today. Like, it's the kind of performance I expect from Zach Davies. If he was able to get one more out in the sixth inning, then you could have said, hey, Davies gave you a quality start, like we always say with Davies, he's not going to be a high-ceiling guy, he's not going to go out there and have the kind of performance Tommy Henry had in Game 3 where he goes 7 innings and 7 strikeouts, no, 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 that's not going to be Zach Davies, but What Davies can do for you is exactly what he did in this series finale where he pitches into the sixth inning. He gives up three earned runs, which is more than enough. Three earned runs is the max amount of runs a starter should allow, right? Because we say a quality start is six innings, three earned runs or less. So I don't need my starter to go six innings for me to feel good about the start. Typically, five innings and at least three earned runs is all I'm looking for from a starter. And Zach Davies is like the perfect guy that can do that start after start. He's pretty consistent in that area. So getting three earned runs over almost six innings from Zach Davies, I thought was a nice little start from him. And The D backs offense, I mean, it was kind of a slugfest for the first six innings. The offense wasn't doing anything for the D backs. Davies was pretty solid. The Rockies had a couple of moments where they were putting some runs on the board. But for the most part, this was a pretty ho hum game. It was pretty boring for the most part. But then it really started to heat up in that sixth inning. It started with the Rockies scoring three or scoring two runs in the sixth inning. And then the D backs scored two runs themselves in the sixth inning because, of course, Lords Guriel, who has been on fire in the month of May. He delivered a two-run double, and once again, I mean, every time Lord's Goriel does something, I think we just have to bring up the fact that that Dalton Varsho trade was a fleece. I did a big Dalton Varsho podcast this week, I believe, where I talked about how it was probably the best move during the Mike Keeson era, the best trade during the Mike Keeson era, at least so far. Still super early, of course, still pretty small sample size, but entering today's game. The finale Lords Guriel in the month of May was batting 352, 1130 OPS. And I think his numbers are only going to rise after going one for four, but knocking in two. He's got a 309 average, 357 OBP, and a 546 slugging after the series finale. He delivered a big two-run knock. And then Ketel Marte doubled in the seventh to score Rivera and make it a one-run ball game. And just on Ketel Marte. I think this is one of the most impactful games he's had all season. Of course, he's had other games with RBIs. He's had other games where he's delivered big hits, but the clutchness of Ketel Marte, I don't think, could be overstated because he was one of the runs that scored in that sixth inning. He delivered the RBI in the seventh, and let's not forget, Marte kept the game alive in the ninth inning because with two outs, he was able to deliver a single that brought. He was able to deliver. Uh, I wonder if they count it as a double. I'm not too sure. But he did deliver a ball to right center. Let me check real quick if they actually count that as a double. Yeah. So Marte doubled in the ninth inning with two outs to keep the game alive. And then Corbin Carroll comes up and delivers the walk-off hit. But I just felt like so many times throughout this season, Core, not Core Marte has come up in big clutch situations, big RBI situations, runners in scoring position where it's like you could break the game open, you could put this game away, usually later in the game. And it feels like Ketel Marte doesn't come through in those situations. Yes, when you're down three runs, can Ketel Marte deliver the double in the seventh to make it a one-run ball game? He could do that. He does have clutch moments throughout the season, but it feels like it doesn't happen enough, and I thought today was a great example of why Ketel Marte has been considered one of the faces of the D-backs franchise the last few years, one of the reasons why the D-backs want to extend Ketel Marte. I think he's starting to come around. I think he already has like a higher war than he did all of last season, so Ketel Marte is looking like he's back. He's back on track, and when he's swinging the bat like that with what Corbin Carroll is doing, you get a little power surge from Christian Walker, who had... Three hits in today's ballgame. Lords Guriel playing the way he is. Jake McCarthy starting to heat up a little bit. This D backs offense is starting to look really good. Great D backs victory. And now, if you want to check in on the standings, um, are the LA Dodgers playing today? No, they are not. So after this series finale against the Colorado Rockies with the win, the D backs are now. Tied with the LA Dodgers for the best record in the NL West. And they are also in line to have the best record in the National League right now. If the season ended today, of course, we're still super early into the year. I mean, the D backs are 34 and 23. So what is that as a record? That's 57 games, I believe. So as it currently stands, 57 games in the D backs, right? That's 57. 20 plus 30 is 50, right? Yeah, I think I'm doing the math correctly. Yeah, so 57 games in, the D-backs are tied in the NL West for first place. They're tied in the National League for best conference record. Yeah, it feels good to be a D-backs fan right now. And now we're going to talk about some things that could hold back the D-backs from making a deep postseason run. But before we get there, I want to talk to you guys about Game time, let me see if I have a game time overlay for you guys. Yes, I do, for my YouTube audience. Game time is the place you want to go if you want to buy tickets because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And that's why I love game time because they... (coughs) Excuse me, I had a cough there. This is why I love game time because game time has the best flash deals and last-minute tickets, and it's so stress-free. There's no other app I trust more to buy tickets to my favorite events than game time. Because, listen, forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. So snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price. guaranteed. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. get back to the podcast and discuss what can hold the D-backs back from competing at the highest level this season because, of course, this D-backs team is super young and they're still super inexperienced. I think that is one of the things that can hold this D-backs team back because when you do look up and down this roster, it's not like there's a whole ton of playoff experience on this team. I think experience is one of the biggest things that can hold this D-backs team back because a lot of those teams when we get to the postseason, are going to be battled, tested. I mean, just look at the current playoff field. Of course, the L.A. Dodgers, battled, tested. They got a whole bunch of veterans that have been there in and out the postseason every single year. If you go against the Atlanta Braves, they won the World Series just a couple years ago. They're always in the mix. They have one of the best young cores in baseball. They got a ton of experience. The New York Mets, maybe as a franchise, haven't had a ton of experience the last few years, but you got guys like Verlander and Max Scherzer in the front line of your rotation, like, That's a ton of experience. A guy like Lindor, he's been around. They've got way more veterans, like the Starring Marte's in that lineup as well. The Mets are definitely battle-tested. A team like the Philadelphia Phillies, who are just rudderless, but if they're somehow able to get it together. they got a lot of talent that's been in big games. The Milwaukee Brewers, maybe they don't have a ton of playoff experience, but the Brewers are usually around the playoff mix. They've been to the playoffs. Corbin Burns has tasted playoff experience. Brandon Woodruff as well. The Brewers are probably, maybe not the most battle-tested team like the Braves or the LA Dodgers, but they got some warts on their, uh, on their resume. The San Diego Padres, guys like Machado, Bogarts, Soto's won a World Series. Like all these teams that the D-backs are going to go against in the playoffs, the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. Uh, maybe those guys don't really know playoff experience, considering the franchises they are coming from, but. That Cardinals franchise as a whole um does have a lot of playoff experience though but when you compare the D-back team to the rest of the field there is a lack of experience and that makes me a little bit hesitant once you get to the postseason because I do believe like talking with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies yesterday I do believe there's a greater chasm than ever between the regular season and the postseason and the d backs just aren't battle-tested enough when we can get to the playoffs. Like, Ketel Marte hasn't been to the playoffs a ton, was there with the D-backs when they last made the playoffs. But Moreno, Christian Walkers, the Martes, Perdomos, Rojas's, Jake McCarthys, Paven Smiths, Corbin Carrolls. Like, when you look at the really battle-tested guys on the D-backs, it's Evan Longoria who's old and is not going to be a core guy once you make the postseason. A guy like Lords Guriel has had some postseason success with the Toronto Blue Jays. I look at the rotation, a Gallon, a Kelly got youngsters in the rotation. like The bullpen is probably the most battle-tested. So really, when you look up and down this whole entire D-backs roster and really focus in on the core guys, a lot of the core guys either have tasted very limited and minimal success or experience on the postseason level, or they don't have any at all. Like, I don't think Gallon's ever made a playoff. I don't think Merrill Kelly has. So it's like this D-backs team does have a lack of experience. I'm scared that could come back to Bite them once you get to the postseason. Same with just their overall rotational experience and lack of depth after Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. We've talked about it a lot. The rotation does not have a lot of experience when it comes to the postseason, like we just mentioned. And then that's even magnified and amplitude even more. I probably should have said magnified and amplitude in the same sentence, but that's magnified even more when consider. There's like three youngsters in this D-backs rotation. I guess Davies is in there, so he's not really the youngster. And he might be the most battle-tested guy in the rotation, but if you're going with the Tommy Henrys or the Ryan Nelsons or the Fats or the Dre Jamesons, like, this D-backs rotation is just too young probably for the postseason right now, and the D-backs probably need to go out there and get another veteran for that rotation, probably someone with some playoff experience. Like That is why Madison Bumgarner is such a big disappointment for this D-backs team because even if he... Didn't look like the ace that we thought we were getting for around $20 million a year. If you could at least be a number two, a number three starter, someone that pitched like a 3-7 year right and just provided that valuable playoff experience and can talk to these young guys about what it means to make it to the postseason, to have a deep run and what you need to win on the biggest stage. Because no one on this D-backs roster is more battle Tested, then a Madison Bumgarner, and he's no longer here with us. So really sad to see a Madison Bumgarner when the D-backs finally get good. His postseason experience won't be of any use. Another thing that I'm kind of scared of once we get to the postseason is how the D-backs will handle closing games. Because we know that's been one of the biggest D-backs weaknesses over the, the last few years. The last couple seasons, the D-backs have been absolutely atrocious at closing games. They've been arguably the worst team in baseball. When it comes to save situations, they blow more saves than just about anyone since 2020. And right now, the D-backs are still one of the worst teams at closing games. But their bullpen as a whole has been a little bit better. But when you get to that ninth inning, when you get to the save opportunity in the the postseason, what are you going to do if you're the D-backs? Are you going to go with one closer? Are you naming Miguel Castro the closer? You know, second half of the season, he's coming in to close all the games. Is it Andrew Shafin? Are you just playing it by ear, going with the high hand? Are you waiting for the matchup? Like, I want to know how the D-backs are going to decide to close games once you get to the postseason. Maybe a one-closer guy isn't as valuable as it used to be, but I'm still kind of old school in that when it gets to the ninth inning and it's a three-run lead or less, like I still want my most trustworthy guy coming out of the pen in the ninth inning. And I typically want to be the same guy night to night. I just have the most trust in that kind of scenario. Like if it's a Castro one night, a Schaaf one night, someone else another night, like that's cool. That could work, but I'm old school when it comes to the closer role. And so I would like it to be one guy throughout the postseason that we just put all our trust into when he comes out the pen in the ninth inning, but maybe playing it by ear is the smartest thing, but I am just old school in that. And when it comes to the closer, so I think I would just like one guy tab for the rest of the postseason, but, When it comes to this D-backs team and it being held back, one last thing that I'm kind of nervous of, but not really, just lefty versus lefty, and specifically opposing left-handed pitchers versus D-backs, left-handed batters had just been a terrible matchup this year. I don't know why, but D-backs, lefties are just really bad against lefties on other teams. Of course, that makes sense because you probably, lefty on lefty is not going to be a advantageous. Same with righty on righty, but it's just been really atrocious this year because even righty on righty for D-backs this year, 250 average, 724 OPS, which is our like, those are like fine numbers. Those are solid numbers for what you expect a righty versus righty. But lefty versus lefty for the D-backs, 188 average and a 539 OPS. You just get such a lack of production with the lefty versus lefty this season for the D-backs. So I think I would want to see that even out just a little bit but that's the least of my concerns I'm definitely most concerned with the overall lack of experience from this roster the lack of experience from the rotation and the lack of depth in the rotation and then deciding if it's going to be a one closer guy or committee once we get to the postseason but even with that even with all that being said let's give this D-back team some time let's see what kind of moves they make at the deadline and if anything else Let's just enjoy the ride because I don't know how far the D-backs are going, are going to go this year. I don't know if this is a year where they get a magical run and make the postseason. But just the fact that they're winning regular season games, we potentially might see D-backs postseason baseball. It's already a win in my books. Now, coming up, we are going to talk about about the next series against the Atlanta Braves and talk about what the D-backs need to do if they want to overcome one of the best teams in the National League. And don't forget, you can catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast We you download the Series XM app and search up Diamondbacks on the app. Now, let's preview that series against the Atlanta Braves because, you know, any series against a good team, you could say, is a big test and arguably the biggest test of the season as the season gets later and later. But this, quite literally, might be the biggest test of the D back season so far. One of the reasons I just think when you look at their schedule in the month of May, I don't think it was too difficult to be honest I think the D-backs played one of the easier schedules in the month of May and I don't know how many times they were really tested I think they started the month of May with a really good test against the AL West Texas Rangers who were in first place at the time D-backs were in first place at the time so it was a lot of fun but since then they played the Nationals who they took two out of three they lost to the Marlins that's sad they took three out of four from the Giants two out of three from the A's 2 out of 3 from the Pirates, 2 out of 3 from the Phillies, lost to the Red Sox, 2 out of 3, then took a sweep against the Colorado Rockies. So really, when you look at the month of May, the really only good team that they faced was the Texas Rangers. I know the Marlins and the Giants and the Red Sox are like slightly above 500, but those are like solid average teams, but those aren't good teams. The Rangers are actually a good team that have one of the best run differentials, if not the best run differential in the American League. And so when I look at this d backs schedule and think about when's the last time they were truly tested or when's the last time I was like, OK, this is a big test. It was probably against the Texas Rangers just because you had a fun narrative of the top two teams in the West divisions going against each other. So it's been a month since the D-backs have had a really series that they have to get up for and get tested. And I think this is probably the biggest series that the D-backs have faced this year. Because they faced the Dodgers twice already. But it was in the first 10 games of the season. So it's hard for me to say those games are super important. Um, maybe you could say the second series against the San Diego Padres because it was a four-game series. The D-backs were playing so well up until that point, and then they lost three out of four to the San Diego Padres, which kind of brought us down, you know, our morale a little bit. But since then, or you could argue the Texas Rangers series, this is at least the D-backs' biggest series in a month. And the Atlanta Braves are no joke because if the D-backs beat the Atlanta Braves in this series, they're more than likely Going to have the number one seed in the National League, you know, at least after this series, because the Braves are right there with the D backs for best record in the National League. The Braves have been insane this year. And when you look at some of the players in their lineup, like this is going to be one of the best cores, one of the most well bounced lineups the D backs face all season long. Because someone like Sean Murphy, I didn't think that was going to be a major trade for the Braves. I really liked William Contreras and was. I really thought he was an underrated piece in that deal, but I've been wrong about that trade so far. Sean Murphy has over 900 OPS. He's got double-digit home runs. He's been phenomenal for the Braves this season. Matt Olson, near 900 OPS, almost 20 home runs already. Ozzy Albie's is having a little bit of a down year by his standards, but still double-digit home runs and still, uh, you know, 26 years old and one of the better second basemen in baseball. Austin Riley, he's having a down year so far, but. He's been an MVP candidate in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if he turned it around. Same with Michael Harris, who was coming off a really strong rookie campaign, struggling so far. But Ronald Acuna Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr. looks like an MVP candidate once again. Double-digit home runs, over 20 stolen bases, an insane slash line, over 300 average, over 900 OPS. Like, this offense for the Atlanta Braves, it's just stupid. And you really have to watch it because – this Braves team and this D-backs team, when it comes to the offensive stats, they're super close to each other. Like Literally, I don't know if ESPN has updated their stats yet, but as I'm recording this podcast at 7 o'clock Thursday night, the D-backs and Braves are literally tied in runs at 282. The D-backs are second in batting average. Meanwhile, the Braves are sixth. You go to OPS. The D-backs are third. Meanwhile, the Braves are second. You look at triples, the D-backs are second. Meanwhile, the Braves are, where are the Braves on the triple list? They're 12th, so they're not a big triple team. But if you look at doubles, the Braves are eighth, D-backs are second, but home runs is where they make up for it because the Braves are second in home runs. So for just extra base hits, it actually evens out between those two teams. And offensively, those two teams are just so close to each other, literally tied in runs like I just said. And The Braves offense is just so scary. And another thing that makes the Braves scary, they're number one in the National League when it comes to ERA, Team ERA, three, six, seven. This Braves team, they can hit the ball, they can score, they got power, and they can pitch, which is just such a deadly combination. Now, if you do want to take advantage of this Braves pitching staff, you have to get to the bullpen because that's where they start to falter a little bit. Their bullpen is still very good as well. Don't make any mistakes, and this rotation is very good because Bryce Elder, who has been a revelation for the Braves this season, he's got a sub-two year array. Spencer Strider's got a sub-three year array and is the biggest strikeout artist in Major League Baseball right now. Charlie Morin is a ageless wonder. He's having a good season. And then we'll see Max Fried and Kyle Wright could come back. But even with those two down for the foreseeable future, they still got three starters in the rotation that are electric right now. And imagine when those two guys get back how insane this Braves rotation can be. Then you look at their bullpen. They just got dude after dude who are just nasty in their bullpen as well. So this Braves team just really doesn't have any faults and doesn't have any weaknesses. But if you do have to make one, it is that bullpen because Braves relievers have a 404 404 ERA. And when you get into save situations, the Braves have a 4-4-5 four, four, ERA in save situations. So you got to make it close once you get to the bullpen. This has to be a close game. You can't let the Braves' offense take off early, which the D-backs have sometimes trouble with because if you look at the D-backs' first-inning stats, they kind of struggle in the first inning against opposing teams. So really make sure you keep that Braves' offense low the first few innings of the game. Keep the game close. You want this to be a low-run a low scoring series. The D-backs are going to have their best pitchers in this series. You're going to have Merrill Kelly in game one. You're going to have Zach Allen in game three. So you're going to have at least two cracks at keeping this Braves offense at bay, which is not easy to do. But if you can do that and keep it close, once you get to the bullpen, you're going to have a better chance at defeating this Braves team because that rotation had just been so nasty this year. But once you get to the bullpen, uh, you know, the door opens just a little bit. For opposing offenses to creep in and take advantage of this team because the when you look at it inning by inning, innings one through three, the Braves pitchers give up a 649 OPS, innings four through six, a 695 OPS, and then innings seven through nine, a 734 OPS. So as the game goes deeper and deeper later and later. The Braves pitchers start to wear down and opposing teams' offenses start to pick up a little bit. So, hopefully, the D backs can do this and can do that in this series. If they could take two out of three from the Atlanta Braves, I think it would officially put the D backs on the map. I know the D back, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the D backs after the the Corbin Carroll walk off, after now sitting tied first place in the NL West. But I don't think people will seriously take the D backs seriously until. They beat the Atlanta Braves in this series. I don't think the D-backs will start turning heads until they take down a team like the Atlanta Braves. So, if the D-backs do take two out of three in this series, expect some people to start making some bold claims and everyone to hop on the D-backs bandwagon after this weekend. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. If you do listen every day, put a hashtag every dare in the comments section on YouTube. You can catch every d pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. doses.